Hello, I am Heidi and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people and share true stories of overcoming life's challenges. We are taking life's lemons and making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Patricia, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So start out by telling me just a couple of things about yourself. Heidi, I'm so excited to be here. So thank you for, very much for inviting me. And I'm thrilled to have this talk with you today. Uh, well, my name is uh, Patricia. I'm from Spain, from Mallorca. If you don't know Mallorca, it's a little island in the Mediterranean Sea. And there is where I was born and bred. And there I studied telecommunications engineering. That, that's not what I'm doing now, but <laughs> it's what I studied. But I always wanted to do more things with my life. And I, at some point, I moved to the Netherlands. So now I'm living in the Netherlands. I moved here so as a as a network engineer, and then I moved to project management, and I worked for different companies. I'm a yoga teacher as well. That's what I did in in between all these things. At some point, I moved to New York to study acting. Then I came back to the Netherlands again, only for a couple of years, a couple of months. I'm still here. So <laughs> this Netherlands it has like a magnet. And it's, uh, I'm just coming back to this country. So you were only going to stay in the Netherlands for a couple of months. How long have you been there now? Now I'm almost 18 years. <laughs> and so far I have no plans yeah. to to leave the country. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful place to land. I don't blame you for wanting to stay. That's, that's so awesome. I've visited there before and... I, I definitely was very drawn to different parts of Europe, so I can I could see why you want to stay. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, it's so good to meet you and hear more yeah, about you. you so thank you. But you got to take me back and tell me your lemon to lemonade story. I've got to hear why you're doing what you do. My lemon to lemonade. I really like how you how you phrase it because I think for me life has started as lemonade. <laughs> huh. uh, and then it became lemons for a long period and then became lemonade again so it's that's that I think that will be the full arch as I told you I grew up in this island I was a um, daughter of a single mom my father didn't uh, recognize me as a daughter he, he met me but he didn't want to take care of me or or my mom you know, for me, it was normal. You know, I grew up without a father. And I was a happy kid. I, I loved to play. I was really curious about life. I don't know, very active. I was really, really active. And I always loved to be around my little friends and, and have fun. And my mom, she was a smoker. I think it was pretty normal in that, <laughs> in that time when I was born. Everybody was smoking. It was a cool thing to do. And she was also a bit of a drinker, but not, not so heavily at the start. But it went increasingly uh, through through her life. She started drinking more, and I started to wanting to spend as much time as possible outside the house because there's a lot of mood swings when someone is drinking, and makes you really uncomfortable. And I didn't really talk about it with with anyone I just kept it for myself I think my family knew she was drinking but nobody knew really to what extent and how much that was impacting me 
I was complaining about my mom when I was a teenager, and everybody's complaining about their moms when they are teenagers. So I thought every mom was more or less the same. I didn't think she was too different from from the rest of uh, from of the moms. But I remember also um, when I was a little kid, I really liked to spend time with my friends and not so much time with with my mom. And I didn't understand why kids were missing their moms. For me, because when I was not with her, I was not missing her. It sounds horrible, but <laughs> this is this is how I felt. I, I'd rather be spending time with uh, with other people. And, you know, she was a hard worker. She was doing her best, but she had very strong mood swings because of the alcoholism. And I think also because of her own traumas. All my life, I grew up feeling this thing, like loving, I, I love her so much. You know, I admire my mom like every every kid does. And with this, uh, I kind of, I don't want to say love-hate. It was like, you know, try love her, Police her trying to, you know, walking on eggshells around her and somehow mothering her when she was uh, drinking too much. Sometimes I was so tired that I, I was not thinking about taking action to, uh, to take my life, but oh, I would be so much better if I, I don't know, if a car would hit me and I could just rest. For a little bit and not having to take care of anything and and thinking of death as a solution for many things like the tiredness and the responsibilities that I was having at home as I told you that I was trying to spend as much time as I could outside my house and one day I was with my mom and her friends in a in a bar they were all drinking and one of her girlfriends asked me if I wanted to go home with her for the night and I thought, oh, that's fantastic. You know, I can go to see a new house. Maybe I was 13 or so. I can see a new house. And she lived in a in a cool street. And I thought, wow. And I was hoping my mom would say yes. And my mom said yes. The surprise was that when I went to her house and we went to bed, she started kissing me and grabbing me and abusing me. And... I could not stop her, but she was really drunk. So I, I just ran out of the bed and I, I didn't dare to go uh, by myself uh, walking on the streets because it was dangerous. It was night. I was a, a girl. And I thought even if I go to my mom, now she will be so drunk that she will not hear me ringing the bell. There were no mobile phones in, that, in those times. And... I hid myself in her living room between the sofa and, and a wall. So I, I was like making myself really small so she would not find me. I think she just fell asleep. I don't think she she bothered to look for me. And next day, the cleaning lady found me. She was like, what is this girl doing like sleeping on the floor? And she gave me a glass of milk. And I went to my mom and told her what happened, right? She got mad. She said, I'm going to tell her this is unacceptable, blah, blah, blah. And I felt safe and I felt protected in that moment. But then my mom went to talk to her and they ended up drinking together. And my mom came back and told me that 
she didn't want to do this to me, that she was so drunk that she confused me with her boyfriend. That is something I should not talk about. Of course, that was even worse than the abuse because the person I trusted and loved the most didn't protect me. And since then, I was not only empty, but really angry inside. And my insecurity started growing, but I kept putting masks, trying to be the girl that I had been always been, like trying to have fun, being some very sarcastic sometimes, and pretending everything was okay. Sometime later, I don't remember exactly, uh, my mom's boyfriend passed away in a car accident and she started drinking way more and that was dreadful years in that period she started seeing an, another guy he was an alcoholic as well and that guy abused me as well uh, we went one day to his house and he abused me but my mom was so drunk that I don't think she even realized but next day I think she realized of what happened and she asked me to remain in silence so as you can imagine my anger frustration self-esteem and everything else was to the roof I remained in silence for 30 years during the yoga teacher training, I learned a lot about myself, my feelings, my emotions, and it felt like every lesson was a lesson that was designed for me. And at some point, I started studying Ayurveda as well. It's the science of life, you know, it's like living accordingly to your body type, going to sleep at certain times. So like It's like a lifestyle to be healthy so that then you can practice yoga. Yoga is like for healthy people. So Ayurveda comes first. And it's also Indian traditional Indian uh, uh, medicine. I started talking with the Ayurveda counselor and I told her about these things that I just told you. And she said, well, you have a wound there that you need to heal. And she started, uh, she gave me codependency books to read. I went to Codependent Anonymous and I started doing like mirror work, like, because I was feeling so guilty for not taking care of my mom. Like, what could I have done for my mom not to drink? So I was feeling guilty all the way. I thought everything was my fault. And she said, you were just a girl. You could not take care of your mom. It should have been the other way around. Like, yeah, but it was my mom and I didn't take care of her. I should have taken care of, better care of her because if I would have taken better care of her, she would not have uh, drunk or not so much. So I felt guilty all the way. So I started working on that guilt. After I finished my yoga teacher training, that it was two years, and I removed some of my fears, some of my insecurities, I started feeling better. And soon after, I decided that I would be going to New York to study musical theater. I hired a teacher. I told everyone I quit my job and 
I, I was accepted in some of the programs, summer programs, and then I was accepted in a conservatory program, and I spent there two years and a half. And if you know people from New York, straightforward, and they talk about everything. They talk about their traumas, their psychologists, their psychiatrists, suicidal thoughts, abuse, neglect, alcoholism, everything. And my eyes were like this. I'm doing, if so people listening, <laughs> are like, like really big eyes, like I can't believe everybody is talking so openly about these things and they are not feeling guilty about their parents' alcoholism. They are not feeling guilty about their parents trying to commit suicide. They are they are not feeling guilty. How is that possible? And that for me opened up the possibility of to start talking about it. I didn't talk about the sexual abuse, but I started talking about my mom's alcoholism in acting in some of the acting classes where you need to, you know, open up. <laughs> and as life goes, I could not stay in New York. And I moved back to the Netherlands because I could not get a visa there. And I started working again in an office. That was really hard for me, like jumping from stage to an office, <laughs> again, working as a project manager. And one friend of mine sent me an article about narcissistic moms. I read the article and everything there was triggering me. One of the last bullet points was, narcissistic moms not only do not protect you from abuse but sometimes they favor it that was really shocking and I thought oh this is gonna hit me so I'm con I contacted my family doctor for him to make a letter to the psychologist I contact my Ayurveda counselor and I thought okay it's fine I have everything under control not at all I went to the office a few days later I was the saddest I have been in my life. Nothing would cheer me up. I was crying in between meetings. And after one of these moments, I, I felt like I was outside my body and my body was going to kill itself. So I called a friend of mine and she said, don't hang up. I'm, keep talking to me until I arrive to your office and then I take you to the hospital. So that's what we did. And they took me to the hospital. They gave me some meds. I stayed one week with my friends. Like they were keep, uh, keeping like shifts not to leave me alone. So to make sure that I would stay alive until I could start uh, treatment or feeling better. Then I had one year of therapy. I did one, ye one year of EMDR to reprocess all the, all the memories. I read a UNICEF paper, and there they describe the different types of child sexual abuse there are, including the sexual abuse without physical contact, or the voyeurism, exhibitionism, exposure, and verbal child sexual abuse. And all this triggered me because all the way there has been a family member abusing me, and I didn't know. Just because I didn't know the definitions, I just knew it was really uncomfortable, but I didn't know that. So I had another attack. I went to another year of, um, of EMDR. I started breaking my silence through poetry. I, I love writing poetry, and for me, it's journaling and writing has been a way of healing as well. 
because I needed to know if people will find me disgusting. I really needed to know if people would despise me, if I, uh, I would be ostracized from society because I was sexually abused as a child by a family member. So I started breaking my silence, not telling it was me, but it was more than obvious because I was shaking and almost crying when I was reading my poems. And my surprise was that many people came to me, told me how brave I was, and that, and some of them told me their story. And I was wowed by it. Sometimes I was not ready to listen to their story because I was dealing with my own trauma. But I realized the power of telling your story. So I continue doing that. I'm doing it still today. At some point when I have so much pain, I just the only reason for me to continue living was once I'm recovered, I will help others. I don't know how, but I'm going to help others. Otherwise, it makes no sense to me going through this pain just for someone's fun, call it God's fun or destiny or however you want to call it. Like, what's the reason this is happening to me? So I needed to give it a meaning and I need to have a purpose because otherwise for me, like, why do I have to go through this like twice? No. <laughs> so. I wrote that poem saying that basically that this the the more pain I feel, the more purpose I have to help others. And now I'm not telling my that line to myself anymore because that, now pain is not is not what's moving me. Now what's moving me is love. I finished therapy. I wrote a book. It's not published yet. I'm now in the fourth version of the book. I started going to Tony Robbins events, um, working a lot on my mindset, also getting a, a business mentor. So I have grown a lot in the last few years after I finished uh, with therapy. Oh, and I didn't tell you the entire story. At some point, I, <laughs> I, I sent an email to my family to tell them everything. Because I could not bear the, the, like, I can't go one by one and tell them everything. I'm just going to tell them. And at that point, I wanted to put distance with my mom because she was not really understanding me going through all this process of therapy. And she was not really supporting at that moment. So I had to go no contact. And I've been no contact with her for more than four years. So that's the story with the family. It was, of course, it was a turmoil in the family now it's settled some people are more in contact with her some people are more in contact with me it's better and through all this time i've been working a lot on first in getting my anger out because i was keeping it for so long and then i started working more on forgiveness and love and finally last year in November, I forgave my mom and I contacted contacted her again this January to thank her for all the good things she's done to me, right? And everything yeah. good that she's taught me. Yeah. And I looking forward to the moment being able to talk to her from a different place. I think she's not drinking anymore. 
She stopped drinking the moment I told my entire family about it. Not before, not all the years that I've been telling her didn't work. But when I told my family and I put no contact, she stopped drinking. So I'm sure that has big, a big shift in, in her mind. I realized that for me, giving tools to parents, the tools that my mom didn't have, feels much more fulfilling than actually going one-to-one sessions. Uh, also with the prevention of creating communities of parents that are joining my programs so they feel in a safe environment to share whatever they feel like, uh, struggles they have as parents with regards to educating their, their children in prevention, consent, and even sexual education. There is this beauty in these communities, right? Because they they never talk about it. No parents have, the, at least the ones that come to me, they don't have that environment where they can feel safe sharing these things and asking any questions because all questions are uh, welcome and none of them are judged, right? So this is what I'm doing now. This is my lemonade. <laughs> my lemonade is giving parents those tools to prevent uh, child sexual abuse, to know how to detect it, to know how to respond. If they feel that something could be going a little bit off or if the child tells them something to be curious, open, calm <laughs> i think maybe that's the most difficult like mom this happened to me like take a breath and remain calm so the kid will trust you to tell you that's more. huge yeah yeah so that's huge yes yeah. but if you start being crying or anger th- this kind of emotions will distance the kid because they're like, oh i don't want to make my mom angry or i don't want to make my mom sad so i said Oh, that I'm, I was just kidding. It was not true. Uh, don't worry, mom. It was not true. It's too hard to to accept. It is so amazing you are teaching this. Like, this is what we need. We need people that have been through it to teach parents what to look for and how to behave. I think that's amazing. If you can tell these parents, breathe, you know, don't react, just breathe through it. Like, that's a that's a big key. That's huge that they can learn that tactic to be able to have their kids be able to approach them with really hard subjects, really hard things, and then to believe their kids. Yes, that's the thing. You have to believe your kids first. Teach them consent from a really early age with with small things, right? Like if I, you know, can I use your lip balm? Like yes or no. And then (laughs) you have to accept it or... Can I borrow your T-shirt? Yes or no? Like, right. and then start with you know with all, especially with the intimate body parts. And well, plus it, I even hear too that um, telling kids to even like, oh, go kiss grandma and grandpa goodbye, or you know, like kind of making them do that kind of behavior isn't necessarily a good way to teach them either, because they should be able to decide for themselves how they want to say goodbye to grandma and grandpa, you know, instead of being forced or told to do like this intimate thing with someone. Yeah, that's correct, Heidi. That's the way 
So they can choose how to say hello, how to say goodbye. Because maybe it's not that they don't like them. Right. And maybe, I don't know, sometimes they have a beard and it's uh, itchy. Yeah. Or they don't like their perfume or just they don't like a big person around them that maybe they just see once a month. Right. And it's okay. They don't have to do that. Yeah. And I think for many parents, what's difficult is to tell their own parents. We are teaching yeah. your grandchild body safety. And so you need to learn to respect uh, his or her boundaries. Yep. And and explain that to the grandparents because then you say, I'm sure you don't want your granddaughter hugging and kissing someone just because the other person is demanding it. Right. They use some emotional, how you call it, uh, blackmail, like, oh, Kiss me, otherwise I will be sad, or or Ugh. hug me, and you make me happy. Mm. Uh, so you don't want to put the responsibility of an of adults feeling on a child, right? Yeah. And these things have to be explained to grandparents, to aunties, cousins, and I think that's a hard conversation. But if you have it, or when you have it. <laughs> <laughs> for everybody listening you have it your kids will be much more protected because also if there's any predator around uh in school or neighbors or even family members yeah. they know you're teaching this to your child they will back off they will yeah. like okay mm, i think this kid it's going to be protected. Better. Yeah. Yeah. This kid knows better. Yes. <laughs> this kid knows better. And the adults around yeah, are keeping are an eye. Aware. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Let everybody know and, and be, be teaching our kids as young as possible. You know, I have, I have grandkids and I'll, when they come in, you know, and they're just little one-year-olds or two-year-olds and I'll kneel down on the ground to be at their level and I'll be available mm-hmm. for whatever they want. If they want a high five, if they want a knuckles, if they want a hug, I just get down on their level and just wait for them or they'll run right past me. And that's okay too. You know, I just want them to, I want to be down lower because at that height, it's an awkward height for a child to an adult anyway, you know, they just can Mm -hmm. hug your legs or something and that's awkward. So (laughs) it's important, you know, that we get down on their level, look them in the eye, they can feel our love for them and they can decide how they want to greet you. But teach them, teach them that that's their choice and that nobody has a right. Even mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncle, nobody has a right to touch nobody. them. That's correct. Nobody has the right to to touch them without their consent. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, there are moments, you know, they have to go to the doctor. Doctor, and have to of course. But yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm what? so glad that you can teach this. Like, this is really important that you're sharing this from what you've learned and that you can help other people and help children. we got to protect them. Yeah, we have to protect them. They have been or we have been abused in so many ways just because the adults have the power. They know better. And we have not been listened to mm. and care in the ways that we need it. And now, now you're being that voice for these kids. And I think that's really important. You didn't have that. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that your mom couldn't protect you most likely she didn't have that for her either and it kind of helps you have a little bit of grace when you can 
see that, but still no excuse. So you can stop the pattern now mm-hmm. and not keep it continuing yeah. on in through the family. So that's yeah. very powerful. Yeah. So thank you. Well, thank you. Well, definitely my mom, she didn't have that example either. She grew yeah. up in a boarding school. Mm. So she yeah. didn't have um, a no. proper family in... So she she definitely didn't have any tools. She didn't know better, and she was sick as well. You know, so that's, right. uh, it's good that I'm able to understand it. But as you say, it's no no excuse. But now, you know, the universe has given me this task of helping others. If I would not have had this uh, life, yeah. I would yeah. be doing something else, probably. Right. Only musical theater. But. There you go. <laughs> You'd be blessing us with that too. So that's good either way. Yeah. I love this mission and I'm glad that you could share your voice with us today. So thank you. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing terrible, tragic things that have happened to you, but how you're stopping it. You're not going <laughs> to, no more. This has got to stop now. So thank you. Thank you, Heidi, for setting up this uh, Lemon 8 stand for us to speak and to drink lemonade (laughs) yeah beautiful thing thank you you're still here well then enjoy this little outtake from that interview parents go on google and type child sexual abuse prevention measures types of child sexual abuse without physical contact just for them to get acquaintance with these topics and get more education about it so they can help their children and tell everybody in their community. So, because I would really like to have a huge community. We are creating a safe environment for many children. Yeah, critical. I love that. Just get educated and know how to talk to your children about this so it can be stopped. That's that's great advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much, Heidi. Certainly, I could not talk about this a few years back, you know, especially since I forgave my mom. I have this weight off my chest. And it's so much easier to share when once you have forgiven as well. <laughs> yes, yes. And I love that you you can recognize that forgiveness is not for your mom. It's for you. It's to give mm-hmm. you that relief. It's to relieve you from the burden of the hate of what yes. happened. And oh, so yes. it's a beautiful gift that we are given to be able to forgive. It doesn't mean you have to let her back in your life. It doesn't mean you have to go back to how things were. None of that. You just don't have to carry that hate anymore and that resentment for her. Just yes, let it go. That's, yeah, that's that's correct too. Yeah. And, oh, and one thing for survivors of abuse just if they in case need to hear it i believe you i love you uh, although i'm not coaching anymore i got your back if i can give you one piece of advice probably you already know about therapy if you are in that stage is to find something in your life that you enjoy very much it could be pottery it could be dancing it could be climbing it could be anything and do things you love as often as possible and have fun as often as possible because you need to fill your tank 
with positivity and with loving fun things because your tongue has been filled with so much pain you need to compensate that and it really does help in healing yeah that's great find your passions and do that do things that you enjoy don't try to find forgiveness and happiness in other people and things and drinking and drugs and all that just do do things that fill you up and bring you that joy and peace and know that there are people out there who will believe you and so tell 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 thank you Heidi and I really appreciate this uh, that you gave all this space to tell the story I hope it was clear and I hope it's useful to to other people yeah me too I think it will be I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.